It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and today I am here with Ben Morrison. He is a Los Angeles-based actor, writer, comedian, and filmmaker. Uh, ben is the creator of Super Funny, and he uh, was a lead on a season of MTV's Punked, which I am so excited to hear about. Uh, ben has so much good information that we're going to go through over the course of this podcast episode. Hey, Ben. Nice to be here with you. Nice to virtually be here with you. Yes. So, all right. You have been in LA through all of 2020, correct? No, I've been in LA since 20, 2006. All so right. it'll, be, it'll be 15 years in February since I arrove on the shores of Los Angeles. <laughs> okay. But you've been here through this uh, oh, yeah. crazy year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How are you surviving? Yeah. I mean, as good as anyone, L.A. just like literally last night, Garcetti was like, uh, don't go outside or do anything for any reason unless you're going to Walmart. Keep doing that. Like they literally issued a stay at home under most circumstances order. Like you're not even supposed to be able to go for a walk. Like, really? how, how you, how you tell people not to walk. Yeah, it, it's it's I understand why they're doing it. It's just the way this is being handled is very confusing for a lot of people um as for how i'm doing i'm good you know i just moved into a much bigger place than i was at in hollywood which is nice having a lot more space uh so i have like four additional rooms to walk into confused and then walk out of equally as confused uh but my new neighborhood is is very nice i used to live in the heart of hollywood like right between the roosevelt and the magic castle like in like what is now post-apocalyptic disneyland uh, and I lived there for 10 years. Okay. Uh, that neighborhood changed a lot this year. Uh, so getting a change of pace, getting more space, um, both for myself and to be able to create in has been really nice. And I'm yeah. still going to go for walks. 
you're still gonna go for walks. I mean, uh-huh. what are they saying about that? Are they like, we're gonna arrest you if you go for a walk? I don't really know. I have no, I, no one has any idea. That's the thing. No one really knows what's gonna happen because you can still go to the beach, but you're not supposed to go for a walk. You can still go for a bike ride, but if you're walking, it needs to be on the way to an essential errand. So I have no idea. Like if I if I'm going for a walk, like in the hills, I'm just and anyone stops me, I'm gonna tell them I'm walking to the beach. That's what I'm gonna do. Or I'm I'm taking the six hour route to get to Target. That should get me off the hook. I have no idea. But I do know that my long walks are one of the only things that's kept me sane this year. And you know, I have a bandana and I'm like completely alone. I don't go on trails with anyone. Like I I seek out solitude when I go for the walks. So I am going to continue doing that, but we're just in the very confusing phase of all this in the sense that like there's so many different regulations changing day to day that there's a lot of fatigue in new rules and people I think are just beginning to just disregard them as a whole because the rules keep changing. Um, Remember when this this first started and like you go outside and you're like, it's everywhere. (laughs) Then you'd get home and be like, oh, I made it. You know, at least everyone then was unified and being like, okay, we're going to stay inside. But that was March. It's December now. And they're still telling people to stay inside. And again, I understand why they're doing this. LA is experiencing a spike. It's just the rollout of all these new rules. Like the, the safer at home order yesterday, like the paragraph essentially said, cancel everything with these exceptions. And then there were 12 pages of exceptions that accepted like, everything so it's like what the hell you're supposed to read 12 pages to it's all very confusing yeah um i i I long for like april of next year right (laughs) yes so how has uh how's dating been this year well it's been an interesting year i was in a relationship for a lot of the year um someone i had been seeing uh throughout last year and quarantine happened we were like let's give it a Let's give it the old quarantine love go. That was what it was. It ended in August or so. So I'm kind of, it's weird like coming back to single life in the middle of a raging pandemic. (laughs) Because you're like, all right, I'm free. Let's go meet some girls. Oh yeah, I'm not allowed to leave my house. So knowing where to even look has been uh, very interesting. And, you know, I really miss, I really miss the days when, the only conversation you had to have was when was your last STD check? Because now it's like STDs are just like, forget about that. Like, do you have, <laughs> right. do you have a fucking killer virus in your breath? You know? Yes. Like, even if, if you're going to give me something with STDs, at least I got to have the S to get the TD, you know? <laughs> now, if I just like meet a girl and she coughs the wrong way, I'm toast. Like, I miss that. I miss, I, we didn't know how good we had it. That, that's, that's the takeaway from all this. We didn't know how good we had it. So, you know, I'm, I'm back on the apps, I guess, you know, um, I've met up with one person, uh, you know, we had a drink at a, a bar that was at the time allowed to be open. Um, they shut down all outdoor dining. Uh, and so, you know, we had a distance drink. That was nice talking to a human a female mm-hmm. um but now like we can't even do that like there's no outdoor anything so it even if like if you meet someone and the you know the textual chemistry is good and their photos check out it's like okay 
I guess I'll see you in April. Like, I have no idea what to do. Like, where do you even go from there? You know? Right. Well, and there's so much that like you just can't get until you're with a person in person. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can have great banter via message. You can even like FaceTime and it can be pretty cool. And then you meet them in person and it can still fall flat. Like there's just not the chemistry there. Yeah. I mean, it's happened before, you know, when you meet someone and they might even look like their photos, which is good, but then they just smell weird. You know, and you're like, I don't, you smell weird. I'm not really feeling this. Even though I'm attracted to you, I'm not really feeling this. So all the different difficult layers of online dating have just been massively compounded by the pandemic because it almost feels like, well, what's, what's even the point? But then again, you kind of really want connection. So, you know, people are still using them. I just don't know what the end game is for. Um, it kind of feels like you're you're saving up to buy a knife to stab yourself in in the dick multiple times. <laughs> so, it's an odd <laughs> metaphor. Anyway, uh, it it it's going in fits and starts is the best I can say. Like for now, I'm just focused on uh, super funny because we've gone we've gone virtual with that and enjoying the new place and just getting back into shape because quarantine was not kind to my waistline. Yeah, I have gone from working out an hour every morning and doing jujitsu for two hours, or I guess an hour and a half every evening to mm-hmm. um, working out like once or twice on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, <laughs> I've had to really regiment a routine that I force myself to stick to. Um, meditate, journal, then either a, like a long walk, five miles or weights on opposing days and I just I'm forcing myself to do it whether I want to do it or not because I know that if I don't do those things the creepy crawly depression monster will hop on my back and then that will just snowball into just drinking more which leads to eating more which means to feeling shitty so if I just let a couple little pieces go it takes the whole house down with it um and I definitely experienced that like for a lot of the year because it was scary and you wanted to eat your feelings, but <laughs> a year and a half ago, I lost like a lot of weight. Like my friends were like, you're too skinny. But then like my inner fat kid was like, what are you talking about? I look fucking cut. But then I see photos and I'm like, oh no, I was definitely too skinny. But I got really like wrapped up in the idea that I was like this really skinny guy now, you know, cause I was kind of a fat kid and uh, I was unable to see that maybe I should gain a little. Anyway, I throw all my pants out and I got all these like, not skinny jeans, because I hate skinny jeans, hipsters. They don't look good. But I definitely went down a couple of waist sizes in, in my boot cut. Boot cut. Fellas? Boot cut. Levi's? Boot cut. Levi's It's never going to go cut. away. It's always going to look good. Fuck those skinny jeans. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck those skinny jeans. I, I remember, agree. I remember, uh, like, chucking, like, five pairs of, like, size 34s. Being like, maybe you should hold on to a couple of these in case, you know. You're not always this way. And I was like, I'm never going back there. And I chucked all of them. And so I think I've worn like a single pair of stretchy jeans like the whole year. Like it's a one size 32 that would stretch into uh-huh. 34. I've, that's gotten a lot of use. Okay. So I think I'm working out. I'm working out mainly just so I can wear my clothes again. That's probably like my my driving my driving motivation right now. I will say I've not put jeans on this entire year. (laughs) (laughs) 
in this little sweatshorts or sweatpants or nothing or (laughs) no jeans in 2020. Dude, I I think COVID was probably invented by the makers of spandex. Like they are, (laughs) they, their product has really gone through the roof. Anything stretchy? COVID brought to you by stretchy pants. By That's... stretchy pants and by uh, by video chat, <laughs> video yeah. conferencing. Yeah. And where do stretchy pants come from? Wuhan, China. Wuhan. I'm just making that up. That's not that's not true at all. I'm just I up. was actually on a call with a guy today and he said to me that this was his first Zoom call ever. I what? was like, how did you make it through 2020 with having your first Zoom call uh, in December? And he's like, well, you know, I see, because he's a firefighter. He's like, you know, I still go to work every day and my life hasn't really changed that much. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fascinating. I was like, yeah, like- you people exist. Wow. I want to fight fires just for the human connection, you know? Right. Just roll up onto a house that's burning, be like, whoa, we're not going to save your house. But like, how you doing? We watch any good movies recently? <laughs> so which apps are you on? I found it in the rubble. <laughs> I know all the guys out there are like, all right, if Ben Morrison's on an app, which one is it? Which ones are working? Or they uh, might, the, or they might be saying, "Oh no, I better not get on that one because he's going to get all the chicks before me." Dude, no one's getting any chicks now. It's a pandemic. I might match with them, and I definitely have good text banter. But it's not like I'm sucking up all the dates that no one's legally allowed to have right now. So have at it, bro. I'm, <laughs> I'm on. What am I? I'm on Raya. That's like the Shishi app where, where like you match with like supermodels and then you never ever talk to them ever. What did I say? Like. Raya's like two pages of Vogue magazine communicating, but never speaking, although one side always tries. Um, so that one's kind of a wash. Is it really that bad? I haven't, I haven't gotten on Raya. I mean, in my own experience, like everyone on there is pretty goddamn pretty. And you, I do match with people, you know, like I know how to work a profile game, but like zero actual conversation. I think, I think. I think a lot of it is just to see who thinks you're cute and then that's it. So how do you work a profile game? Give these guys some tips. eh. I mean, I think I've, I've tried different things with like the initial photo kind of being funny and like quirky and then moving into the like, Hey, I'm cute. But ultimately I just had to admit that this whole thing is, it's all about narcissism and don't forget that. So that photo where you think you look too cheesy, but you think you look hot, but it's too cheesy to use, just fucking use it because people are not on these apps to find someone, you know, to discover the the gem of humor in your like not good photo of you. You have maybe half a second with this invisible person on the phone. So just put your hottest foot forward and then get into the quirk. Um, you know, what's funny is on Raya, it has profession and like literally every girl is singer songwriter or actor model. So for my profession, I put a, I put pediatric lawyer model as a joke and I've matched with people who have been very disappointed. I am not in fact a pediatric lawyer who is also a model. And I'm like, did you literally the next photo is me like on stage at the laugh factory and then on the improv, like, I make it very clear I'm a comedian. So that's actually been not a not a not an unuseful tool for weeding out people that probably wouldn't get me anyway if they literally think I'm a pediatric lawyer model when if you actually look at anything but the first photo it's very clear that I'm a comedian. 
So tip number one, put your hottest foot forward. Don't worry about looking narcissistic. Everyone is narcissistic on these things. It's why they exist. So just understand your market, I guess. Um, show your face a lot. Yeah. You know, limit the group photos to maybe one just to prove that other people know you. But people really want to see your face and they want to see your body. But for guys, do not do a shirtless picture. That will get you tossed out. You want to have a picture where they can see your form, you know, maybe something with a tighter shirt. Uh, but don't do a shirtless picture because I think that will just get you blanket thrown out. That's just one of those things that girls are like shirtless out. But, ooh, that guy's kind of cut. Like, look at his biceps in that shirt. That will work. Um, totally agree. Uh, don't write much of a bio. Like, a couple sentences at most. If you over-explain yourself in your bio, they're going to be like, this guy's really, really crying out here. <laughs> See, that's the one thing I kind of disagree with. Like, I actually like it when there's more of a bio. I don't want a whole fucking novel or anything, but I like it when I can get a little bit more information about this person. I See, wanted... I think, I feel like, uh, not to cut you off, sorry, but I, I feel like you want to plant some seeds in the bio. Like, hey, I'm a comedian. Uh, here's how tall I am, you know, and just some quirky stuff about likes. And then always have a link to your Instagram so that you can do more investigating on your own. I like that because I just don't I don't I don't find myself reading anyone's long bio like I'm out after a paragraph or so, because at that point, I'd like to see your public persona and judge for myself who I think you are, you know, like I'll do a little bio actor comedian da da da. This is how tall I am da da da. Here's my Instagram. And then I feel like that process is, oh, he's cute. Oh, he's a comic and he's tall. Oh, let's go see what his Instagram's like. Like, okay, cool. This checks out. Let's message him. I feel like that process is effective in like a breadcrumb trail of like an information drip. Like, allure. He's quirky. He's funny. Let's go see what he's really like. Oh, he's really like that. Now let's loop back and actually engage. Does that make sense? It does. I totally agree with the put your best photo first. Like I've seen the guys that are on there, they've got some like weird quirky photo or something. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. um, no, not doing it for me. Like, you know, and so I'll just skip same with the group photos. Nope. Don't do the group photo thing. I'm, last thing I want to do is to have to figure out which one you are. And then also think your friend is cuter than you and try to figure <laughs> out like oh, <laughs> how yeah. I'm going to match with the friend. That. <laughs> Okay, that's something I forgot to mention. Ladies, if you post a group photo, you better be the cutest one in that photo. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times like I've been like, ooh, who are these two? You hope she's the one on the left and she's the one on the right. Goodbye. <laughs> yes. But I mean, honestly, like, oh, also don't take this shit too serious. I mean, I'm going to be real with you. Most of the time I'm swiping is when I'm on the toilet. It's something to do when I'm taking a shit. And... That's the way it is for everyone as well. When I'm taking a shit or when I'm feeling particularly lonely is when I do a lot of the swiping. Or I've had, you know, a couple glasses to drink and... Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Let's find love right now. And then it's like the next day, what the fuck? I matched with that person. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to drunk match with people, especially on like sketchier sites like Tinder, don't do it too drunk because eventually you will find the swinger couple who's like, you should come over. And it's like two o'clock and you're like, that's a good idea. Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. that. Never do that. Never do that. Uh, 
My favorite one in terms of the functionality of the app is definitely Hinge. Uh-huh. Hinge figured out the formula for actually getting conversation going. So in terms of like, if you're going to start with one, I'd say start with Hinge. Just the way it's laid out is really smart. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's not upload nine photos, swipe left, right. It's upload a photo and a caption, answer a question with a quirky answer, photo, caption, and then people engaging with you is tagging on to your little answer. Like, you know, breakfast in bed is, you know, the hash browns for McDonald's. And then someone liking you is saying, you know, uh, breakfast all day, question mark. And that gets the question, that gets the uh, the communication going. So everything's a prompt, which is which is nice. And I found it easily to lead to the most, you know, actual conversations with people you feel are, are real humans. So if you're going to use one, I'd say start there. Yeah, I agree. I'm on Hinge. I'm also on like a couple others, but I hardly ever get on there. Um, but Hinge I'll actually use. Like if I'm actually in the point of like, all right, I'll try out the fucking apps again, I'll get <laughs> on Hinge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, the 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 sync, the 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 way to meet someone is in person, always, always. An in-person meeting will will do all the you know will do a week's worth of work of texting back and forth to meet someone and to discover that when you're next to them, there's really no attraction. In which case, what is it? There's a comedian Louis, Louis Katz is one of my favorite one-liners ever. He goes, uh, "So uh, I'm done with dating, or as I call it, buying shit for strangers." <laughs> That's always very funny to me. Yes, um, yes. Men will laugh at that one for sure. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure doing the work that you've do, you know, this year has been a real you've probably dived into how to meet someone or even develop human connection, sexual connection if you don't have it built in with a relationship or marriage when it's a global pandemic. Like what what are you finding in terms of what other people are saying about this? The singles yeah i've um definitely had guys that i work with um do the online dating meet people in person very carefully um and then you know they decide to to move on or not um but i've i've had guys that i work with end up having successful relationships during this time Mm -hmm. i think in a way it can actually have been helpful because it kind of um it mitigates or it limits the amount of people that you're seeing. And I think that's one of the problems with online dating is there are so many options that it's like, it's hard to kind of narrow it down and just to get to the next step. But with the situation as it is, you're like, okay, well, if I'm actually going to take the step to go and meet this person, um, you're making an actual investment there. Mm-hmm. And then there's not like, all right, well, I've got six dates lined up in a row this week. And by the time you get to the end of the week, you forget about the first person you even saw, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that in that way, kind of slowing down the the dating aspect of it um, has been helpful for some people. Yeah. Yeah. If you can. I mean, I think for women, the idea of having a lot more options is a little more like on the table than it is for men like men will fucking go out with anyone that says yes i think for women you you have to be more selective um and if you feel like having more options that is available to you i think we're on the male side of things and i'd like to think i'm pretty good at this kind of thing and you know paint an attractive enough picture of who i am but there's you know there's still a like a long breadcrumb trail to actually getting someone to want to meet up with you um 
you know, like it's weird because I was in a relationship for most of the year. So I, I didn't experience, um, a lot of 2020 alone. I mean, (laughs) granted the relationship itself had a significant amount of problems, which is why it's, it's no longer a thing. Uh, but it's been, it's been a very interesting transition for me to, experience a pandemic in a one-on-one relationship and then experience it like very much like solo like i'm i would say i am alone 80 percent of the time you know i try to see friends you know that i trust and are local on the weekends just to have some sort of human connection but i'm, I'm i spend the vast amount of my time by myself uh which is you know it's been very thinky it's been a very introspective fucking year yeah you know so what's been going on with your business through it all? Well, I have a show called Super Funny that right up until lockdown was running every month at the Hollywood Improv main room and the Comedy Central stage. And Super Funny is my uh, passion uh, to evolve the art of live comedy into a more visual medium. So Super Funny is a stand-up comedy show, but the whole time there's a big old screen with uh visuals that tie into the stand-up that the comedian is controlling like imagine if a if a ted talk was a killer stand-up comedy show okay um so as the comic is performing telling a story about their family uh just talking about like funny signs they are actually clicking through what they are talking about as the audience looks at it so it's stand-up comedy with visuals that um really for the first time in this format the comedian is also controlling because what I had seen is if people have a visual element, someone in the back booth is controlling it. And I always figured the only way you're going to get the timing right is if the, the person telling the jokes is also controlling the images uh, as well. So it's been a big like nerd hole of figuring out how to do that most effectively. But the shows are really amazing. Um, comedians have gone real deep into their childhood growing up past relationships storytelling has been amazing if they have some crazy vacation story they are able to show photos of all the mayhem going down it's really been an electric way to elevate the art of live comedy uh live comedy is no longer a thing so uh as part of moving into this new place uh i have a a big room dedicated just to work and i've been able to build super funny studio and learn and now enact uh, super funny done totally virtually. So, excuse me. Um, now I'm able to do live comedy shows on a Zoom-based format that are done on a full virtual set. It's all on a green screen. It's all done in real time. So imagine you're watching a super funny virtual. It's me with a mic actually moving around, but behind me, the whole set is virtual, and then the the images themselves are zipping and zooming behind me on a full virtual set. It's actually it's really cool. It's it's very similar to what you'd get in like a televised format. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just launched Super Funny Virtual, having just finished the studio, and and actually after the podcast is done, and I guess I can plug this now. Why not? I am I want to do uh, like an hour long set on my own in the new studio. So uh, today I'm going to be announcing and tickets are available online right now for anyone who wants to see what okay. I do for uh, Super Funny Prevent Presents Ben Morrison's A Very Quarantine Christmas on Thursday, 
December 17th at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, where I'll be doing uh, a full hour of the multimedia format that I do, and a lot of the work is going to be on the holidays and quarantining during the holidays. So for anyone who wants to see the show, and I guarantee you, it's unlike any Zoom comedy experience you have had. Because again, it's not just me sitting and telling jokes. It's me on a living, breathing virtual set that I'm controlling the whole time. It's really cool. Uh, they can just go to superfunny.show slash Xmas. X-M-A-S. Okay. And tickets are available now. I finished it right before I came on with you. Because I was like, I should probably plug this on the on the podcast, shouldn't I? So they're available now. Superfunny.show slash X-M-A-S. Uh, Thursday, December 17th, a very quarantine Christmas, and you can spend an evening with me from the safety of your own home to see what a super funny virtual is like. So how is super funny doing? It, I mean, it's doing well. I mean, everyone's really had to adapt to the idea of performance when no one can leave the home. Um, one of my friends started, well, two of my friends actually started the Nowhere Comedy Club, uh, and they've been doing virtual shows all year. At first, the people would uh, call in, but then eventually my buddy took his spare room and built a whole like three projector screen wraparound virtual set to do virtual shows. You know, I think what has really given me hope and has kind of made my heart uh, smile a little bit is that art will always find a way no matter how fucked up things get. Uh, art and you know, specifically what I do, comedy will find a way to still be alive and well. You know, you can't stop. You can't stop the laughs, and people really need it. Um, I've I've tried to adapt in my own way, and it honestly, it's led me to have some really cool breakthroughs with how I do super funny, which will definitely bleed into when we go back to doing the live shows. Um, the show itself, uh, I don't know how much I can say with this, but. We're about to start shopping it around to the big boys. Oh, cool. Um, so what will happen is look for Super Funny on Netflix later this year. That's not, that's me projecting, but I'm, I'm secreting this motherfucker into being. But in my mind, I can't see how they wouldn't want to pick this up, like visual comedy, like no one's seen this shit before. Anyway, um, yeah, adapting has been really interesting, but mm -hmm. I'm such a nerd. Like one of the reasons I'm alone so much is I just love tinkering with, computers and like anything I can get my hands on that has an electric signal, I will want to manipulate, you know? So I probably shouldn't date like a female Android because it'll be a big, very manipulative relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if anything, one thing that I've really noticed about 2020 is my appreciation for the arts and how much I miss it, right? It's something that we typically just take for granted, like it's always available. And artists historically um, are like not really valued as much in society as far as how much money they make. And um, like, it can be a bigger struggle for them to, to make it. And, um, but like this year has really made me realize how important the arts are. Yeah, I I miss being on a dance floor so fucking bad. I used to go dancing a lot. Like I'm a big I'm a big house music head. I have been my whole adult life. Very tied into the Burning Man community here. Um, I miss being on a dance floor with people like almost more than anything. Just really getting down with friends on a killer floor. I miss that so much. 
um, I miss being in comedy clubs so much. Like I used to, you know, living alone, I've always, I've lived alone forever. Uh, well, not forever, but 10 years. Anyway, I've always stressed the need to be around human beings. Like before all of this, I would make myself, even if I didn't feel like it, go out to a comedy club and be around my people two to three nights a week. Even if I wasn't performing, just to go sit at the bar, shake some hands, have a laugh. Um, and that kept me, you know, mentally level. And now that I don't have it, I realize how much I needed it and how much I need it now, you know? Like the improv, which is my home club, that's like my second home here in LA. Uh, it's been closed all year. And three weeks ago, they opened up the patio and we did a show in the outdoor patio. You know, everyone was distance apart and stuff. And I did fucking live comedy at the improv and it felt so good just to see friends do jokes. And then two days later, they shut down all outdoor events. <laughs> I was like, hey, I guess I feel lucky that I was able to be on the one show the improv did do the whole year, I guess. But yeah, I mean, what what do you do to de-stress just binge watch whatever you can no actually i've only binge watched in one thing this entire year which was tiger king was it tiger king no it was uh <laughs> the marvelous miss mazel you right, watched yeah. that i watched the first three or four uh episodes and okay, didn't stop because i didn't like it it's just one of those things where you 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 don't keep going but that's on my list everyone loves that show it was so great so yeah i binge watched all three seasons in you know like a few day period but um i've just worked my ass off this year i've worked mm -hmm. non-stop like 15 hour days seven days a week and um you know it's been amazing like because i've been able to help so many people during this time when we need more connection and that's what my like my group coaching program man on fire program mm -hmm. it really is about how to to have deep connection and so it's been really really amazing to be able to to have that and so many times like that group has been you know my lifeline as well like i'm so happy to pop on the mm -hmm. zoom call with these guys and like you know you become friends after you know just getting to know each other over the months and like, yeah. <laughs> like hey guys you know and you're just like a, a little crew and it's been it's really great so um grateful that i've had that and uh you know how i've been able to contribute as well during it all but mm -hmm. i would give anything to like text my actually my my gay husband he's in austin and he sent me um a meme the other day of and it was like a uh a uber a screenshot of a of an uber page and but it's all blurry and it's like somebody's looking at it you know and they're totally drunk and they're like Can't. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like i'd give anything for these days again oh, <laughs> oh the drunken ubers that's, that's yes hilarious. i was like oh my god i sent back the crying emoji i was like yes i want that <laughs> yeah but yeah. like just to go out and go dancing and have drinks and hook up with some random person and like, you know, just <laughs> have a fucking good time. Yeah. I mean, you can still do that. You just have to be aware that this person probably doesn't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> so. Well, you can't go dancing. It's all shut down. Yeah. Well, I mean, how is it where you live now? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, 
I'm in Phoenix right now. I, I went on like a few dates here and then, um, several months ago, I was like, no, done. I'm <laughs> not, I got off the apps. So I, I don't even know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> is Arizona one of the states that are like down with actually taking it seriously? Uh, so, um, they were like, we did have a lockdown at one point. I kind of quit paying attention to what all the rules are because I've just been quarantining myself regardless of mm -hmm. what everybody else is doing. Yep. So I don't know. I just work and do my thing. And I don't, I honestly don't really pay much attention to what everyone else is doing. I mean, I know we're having like a spike again here, but it's not nearly as bad as other places. I was looking at the the death rates for like the last two weeks. Um, and it's somewhere around three something. Whereas in Texas, I looked at Texas and they were at over a thousand um, for the last two weeks. So I know it's lower here, mm -hmm. uh, but like Manhattan was only at like, or all of New York City was only at 141, which is yeah. New good. York, New York is not fucking around. They yeah. got hit so hard in the beginning. They're they're like, they're, there's no way we're letting this happen again. Yeah. La Los Angeles right now is like one of the worst places in the whole country, which is like hard to hear. It's hard to load it like load it up, and every day there's new lockdown because it's hitting us really hard right now. Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to stay inside, like not even leave. They say for uh, right up until Christmas. You know, fuck. I put up a Christmas tree last night. I'm gonna have some holly jolly time, even if it's by myself. You're not gonna stop my ass. <laughs> it was weird, like decorating the Christmas tree by myself, listening Aww. to jingles, being like, I "Can't wait to share this with uh, with no one." So, all right, you're allergic to cats, but what about a dog? I know so so many people have adopted dogs this year. Oh, I I love dogs. I really, really do love dogs. But I'm I I'm not gonna get a dog until like my finances are stabilized, and this year has not been the year to do that. You know, especially with launching the virtual side of Super Funny, I have to get my my two feet on solid ground with what will be my next income stream is doing what I do virtually, and then I can think about getting a dog. But I love dogs. What I, kind of dog are you gonna get? I kind of want like something like maybe the size of a Jack Russell Terrier, maybe a little furrier, just kind of like my best buddy, small enough I can travel with, doesn't bark a lot. I don't know. I want like a little scrappy guy to get into adventures with. Uh, you can tell I've thought about this. You've thought about <laughs> this. Yes. Yeah. I am also allergic to cats, but I have a cat. I got mm -hmm. a, um, a uh, Siberian and those actually are the, uh, the least allergenic of all cats. And so uh -huh. I just took a chance. There was no guarantee and, but it worked. I am not oh, allergic really? to this cat, thankfully. Yeah. Well, so I'm like mildly allergic to cats. Um, I think if I took an antihistamine, I'd be fine, but I grew up with a cat. Like my pet, my whole childhood was a cat and I wasn't allergic to it. Then I went away to college, came back three months later and I would sneeze when I was around it. So I just think, you know, I've, I've, I've lived with an ex-girlfriend and a cat. If I'm around them for a little bit of time, I will adapt. So I could, I could get a cat. I just put up a, a patio and I put up a hummingbird feeder and it took, it took a little while, but those motherfuckers are finding it. I saw like four, four hummingbird feeding sessions today. And it's all like, cause I'm at my desk here. And if I look that way, I can look right under the patio and the feeder and I'll just be like working and I'll be like, Oh my God, hummingbirds are right there. 
They don't stay that long, though. So, all right, tell us about being on Punked. That was that was a couple of lifetimes ago, but I I kind of cut my teeth with doing hidden camera work. Um, so I did a season of Punked. Um, for those of for those of us who grew up on that kind of thing, uh, I was the guy I pranked Zach Af- Zach Efron, John Cena, Jewel, Kalise. This is a lot. This is like fifteen years ago. Um, and a whole bunch of other. What were some of the bigger names from that? Magic Johnson. Uh, it, was, it was an insane experience. I mean, doing hidden camera is its own kind of live theater art form, and not everyone can do it. Very few people can actually do it and know how to do it right. However, before I was on Punked, what got me the job on Punked was the show that has faded into obscurity that was still the craziest thing I've ever done, also on MTV, called Damage Control. And Damage Control was MTV trying to up the ante from Punk, because Punk had been on for about four four years at that point. It was the hit show, so they wanted to go bigger. So Damage Control was where a kid thought he had been left home alone for a weekend, always like a freshman at a local college. His parents would call him and be like, hey, we're going on vacation. Look after the house for the weekend. And he'd be like, all right, awesome, party. But the parents would go to the house next door and would sit in front of like a literal Truman Show bank of monitors because MTV had buried 30 cameras in the kid's actual house. And then we would come in in character and would fuck with him for two days. Like actors would sleep over. So it was like this like risky business thing that would happen live where the parents would be like, hey, um, uh, someone's coming over to fix the fridge. And then the person shows up and they're kind of shady. And it's like a mobster who's like, the fridge is fixed. And then he'd leave. And then uh, the kid always had an accomplice, like someone who knew the kid who could, you know, pass messages. And then he'd be like, I think they left something. And then lo and behold, they left a body in the fridge, you know. And like literally, this is one of the plot lines. And then different actors would come in. It's like, it was insane. I witnessed us cause a nervous breakdown on a girl. She just was crying and stomping on the floor like, please leave, please leave as a clown and a little person kiss tribute band was setting up in the backyard for a bar mitzvah. Like it was nuts. I think you can still find clips of it online. Um, But I wound up working with like people who you see all the time in the world of comedy. Like the first episode I did, uh, Nick Kroll was on it. Um, Brian Husky, who's uh, he's, you've seen him in a million things. He's bald. He has glasses. He's very funny. Um, Devin Rattray, who's still one of my good friends, he was, he must hate this, but he was Kevin McAllister's older bully brother in Home Alone. Uh-huh. Uh, I met him. He's hilarious. He still works all the time. So I wound up getting in like one of my very best friends who I still see all the time in Los Angeles. I met him on this show. So it wound up connecting me to a lot of people that were and have remained very important in my life. But the show itself was so over the top. It, uh, it did not last. It, it did not last. But if you're watching this, I'm telling you right now, get on YouTube and search for damage control. Let me, let me see if any clips are still online. This, this might feed into my own curiosity. I'm going to search right here. I'm going to narrate for the people listening to the audio version. I am now clicking on YouTube audio version. I'm now clicking on YouTube search audio version. <laughs> MTV. Let's see if they have anything. Yep. Damage control is online. All right. Let's Hopefully. check it out. Holy shit. Kelly Clark. Oh, yeah. Kelly Clarkson, JC Chazé. Yeah, there's not much. There's a couple clips, but there's, yeah, there's the episode where I played, uh, 
a sex a sex therapist who uh <laughs> some kid was left home alone and then i show up with a sex addict recovery group and we have a group therapy session in his living room oh my god and i include him in it that's hilarious <laughs> wow how long is this clip oh my god it's the whole episode holy shit <laughs> it's the first link you should get for mtv damage control should be season two episode two that's All one right. of my that's the sex therapist episode so fitting for this podcast fitting absolutely yeah. fitting yeah, yeah yeah check that one out uh so all right you went to nyu to mm -hmm. school of the arts how long did you live in new york lived in new york for eight years uh four of that were when i was in college uh lived in the east village uh began doing stand-up comedy halfway through nyu by accident uh didn't plan on becoming a comedian i was supposed to be mr broadway but one night i was out with friends and i was dating this insane serbian girl at the time who liked to flash her admittedly perfect breasts which i was not man enough to handle so i was getting plastered to deal with the fact that i was hyperventilating and i sat down next to a person at this like abandoned bar my friend was bartending at anyway it gets kind of hazy but apparently they were a booker for a comedy club my bartender friend helped negotiate me into lining up my first stand-up set on sunday i don't remember any of this i passed out in the bathroom i woke up with a hangover and a new career did you ever do anything on broadway I walked on it multiple times. I did a couple off-Broadway shows before I left New York, but I never never made it to the great white way. Maybe in, in, in my later years. Yeah, yeah. I've grown up singing, singing choral groups, done a ton of musical stuff. And I, I do a lot of my own, a lot of uh, original music for Super Funny. Like, I, uh, I just released a new original song and music video called Song for Right Now, Right Now. Uh, that I think is pretty goddamn good. Just about living with quarantine. I did a song for right now last year, which was kind of a, a funny uh, musical recap of what I thought last year would be the craziest year ever. But this year just blew it out of the water. Um, but you can actually see a lot of the original music that I've done on my YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Ben the Morrison, which is also my social handle. You can find me at Ben the Morrison on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. But yeah, check it out. I'm I'm really proud of uh, the music work I've done. I compose, produce, sing all the shit because I have all the gear. You know, art and coming out of every pore. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Boston, in the South End. People ask me if I ever had a Boston accent. I never did, but I can turn it on at a moment's notice, and I love it. You never love had one. Never had one, dude. Never had one. My mother and father didn't have one, so I didn't grow up listening to it in the household. But the second I'd go out, I'd be like, hey, your kid looks kind of fucking weird. So I definitely I definitely picked it up. Yeah, so south end of Boston and lived uh, in the city of Boston about the John Hancock Tower uh, until I was eight, then moved to a burb, but really the Boston area. So it's been Boston, New York City, and now Los Angeles for the last 15. So are you a uh, Boston Red Sox fan? I was never really into sports, you know, I didn't really grow up playing sports. So I think you, my parents weren't into sports. I didn't play sports. I was like, I was a theater weirdo. That's what I did. So the answer to the question is I am a fan of whoever is going to get me the most friends. <laughs> Who do you like? I like them too. You like them too. See, I'm a New York Yankees fan. I was uh -huh. living in New York. 
uh, in 2000 when the uh, Yankees and the Red Sox, or the, I'm sorry, the Yankees and the Mets were in the Subway Series. Uh-huh. And I was in Times Square when the Yankees won. And oh, wow. I've been a Yankees fan ever since. That must have been rather electric. It was fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> were there like, were there Met were there Mets fans there who are just like Oh my god. Yeah, the entire like <laughs> uh Times Square was just packed. I'm sure you can only imagine, especially in 2000, like the city was just booming and everything was amazing during that time. Uh and yeah, it was like all the big screens and all of Times Square, mm-hmm. everything was showing the the game and like yeah, people went nuts. It was so much fun. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wish I had like some sort of group connection like sports. I play a lot of video games. That's probably my thing. Video games are my sports. If you want to talk about video games, I'm your man. <laughs> what video? What's your favorite? Well, my favorite game of all time is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. I'm, I'm on book five of the series. It's the same source material that the Netflix show, which I highly recommend watching, is based on. Henry Cavill. Definitely one of my man crushes. Oh my god, he's so fucking hot. I have two man crushes. It's Henry Cavill and Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. So I'm definitely running the spectrum in terms of man crushes. (laughs) From like the most manly to the most effeminate. I think they're both beautiful and they're amazing. Henry Cavill does uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And so um, I've always thought that was extra hot too. I bet he does. Dude, Henry Cavill, he's fucking Superman and Geralt, and he's a huge nerd. Like, huge nerd. Like, the, the, the legend goes amongst nerds is that he, uh, he almost missed the phone call informing him he was the new Superman because he was doing a World of Warcraft raid at the time. <laughs> and part of me was like, that's just, people made that up because they want to think he's a nerd. No, no. Henry, earlier this year, posted, like, a long video on Instagram of him building a gaming PC alone, piece by piece. And I was like, God damn it, you big buff nerd. Just call me. Fuck. My 3%'s going crazy over you. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So I got a game to play. It's called Let's Talk About Sex. All so right. if you're down, I'm going to pick a card, randomly pick a card, okay. and ask you a question. Cool? Cool. All I right, consent. Let's see. All right. To me, intimacy is. <laughs> Snuggling after sex, tucking into something trashy on Netflix. So, all right. Snuggling after sex, do you like to talk do you like silence what do you like oh i'm i'm a big snuggle monster i love it i think it's also living alone like i think a lot of times i don't even crave sex i just crave someone like touching me like i had an old bit like you ever just you ever be single for so long that you didn't want to get laid anymore you just want someone to hold you right if you're at a bar you're like man look at that girl at the end of the bar i would snuggle the shit out of that chick (laughs) i'd listen to all her problems rub her feet all night long um so yeah i mean i sex is sex and you know it's very intimate but i've had plenty of very non-intimate sex you know Mm -hmm. the real the real thing for me is after you've shared something physically with someone then just 
decelerating together as one pod. You know, I really like that. Yeah. Because then if the snuggling is good, it will probably lead to round two. The uh, one thing that I, I do miss about being in a relationship is just the ease of sex, just like being there with somebody and you just kind of can roll over and start having sex. (laughs) It has to be a thing where you meet somebody, you know, like the whole thing that you have to go through when you're dating. And it's just like, it's a longer process to sex rather than just like, yeah, "Yeah, there's this person here and we already know we like having sex together and we just do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I do not want to get into a relationship again. I've, I'm coming out of three years worth of relationships, like not a three year relationship, but a three year period when I was in like three different relationships back to back, uh, that didn't work for very different reasons. But I'm not the guy who's like, nah, baby, I don't want to, I don't want a girlfriend. I fucking tried. <laughs> I tried over and over and over again. So I'm just going to be on my own right now. And it's not a bad time to do it. Uh, but I would like to find like a couple people that are in the sim- the similar mindset. Let's call it a a coalition of the willing, you know, people who want to develop a, a friendship that also includes sex, where we don't need to you know be tied to each other once our time with each other is over. But we can establish something of a semi regular schedule when we just use each other for intimacy, companionship, and good times. Is that is that shallow or is it just honest? I don't know. Oh no, it's wonderful having that kind of setup. Yeah, I definitely had that going on in Austin, and I have missed it. Uh, pandemic was the worst time to leave that kind of setup. Yeah. <laughs> to start from scratch. It's uh, it's been an interesting year. Because I think honestly, like, you know, in 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 the last however many years, in between relationships, there have been people that I view as good friends who are also lovers. And like people wouldn't think it, but those are the relationships that actually last, you know, like who I maintain a friendship with, you know. Uh whereas I can't say the same about a lot of my exes. I'm I'm, I'm still I'm still very close with some of my exes, but I think the the relationships where you you are you go into it being on the same page and you stay there they endure because there's no letdowns involved you just are what you are to each other and that almost allows that sense of friendship and intimacy just to be present over the course of many years and i think that that's kind of a beautiful thing you know like i like the idea of having lovers I kind of wish we could, you know, that's a very romance novel to me. Like, oh, I'm going to see my lover today. Like, what are you, in a fucking dime store book? Yes, I am. Because the people on those covers are hot and they look really happy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, one more question. To me, sacred sexuality is... Hmm. I think sacred sexuality, and coming at it with like... A transcendent level of sex. I mean, I think that's the kind of sex you only really have in relationships, you know, because once you are with someone multiple times, I mean, the sex just gets better if you if you enjoy having sex with someone and that relationship continues on, the sex itself gets better. So I think it's the sacred sexuality is having sex with someone you're in love with. I think the whole love brings a whole new dynamic to the act of sex. 
Um, I don't know if that sounds a little watered down. But sex with someone you're in love with is just very different than even amazing sex with someone who you don't know that well. And I think sacred sexuality is, uh, it's a lot rarer. Uh, and you better appreciate it when you have it. Because a lot of, you know, relationships don't last until they do. But, I mean, how many times have you broken up, broken up with someone you were with and you're like, I'm glad to be away from that person, but goddamn, do I miss how intimate the sex was. You know? Like, you find yourself, like, whacking off, thinking dirty thoughts about someone who you kind of hate. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's sacred sex. If, if, if you break up with someone because you hate them, but you still jerk off to them, you had some sacred sex with that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that is Ben Morrison. <laughs> find me online, ladies. <laughs> Tell them one more time how they can find you. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's uh, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, Ben The Morrison. All one word. And if you like uh, what I do and you want to see what Super Funny is, please attend live a very quarantine Christmas, Thursday, December 17th, 7 p.m. Pacific, <laughs> 10 p.m. Eastern. Tickets are on sale now. Just go to superfunny.show slash xmas. Get your ticket now. It's going to be a really fun evening. That sounds like so much fun. I definitely want to be there. Yes, you should. You should. And if you go on YouTube, you can see a lot of what the, the type of work will be. The living multimedia stuff. You'll dig it. You won't. It's very, it's very new. You'll dig it. Be there. The fuck else you got to do? You're not legally allowed to go outside. <laughs> And that is Sex and Sarah's. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.